Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. John Stott famously said in his book, Between Two Worlds, that the secret to effective preaching is not mastering certain techniques, it is being mastered by certain convictions. The same is true for church planting. There are many tricks and tips that are commonly suggested in church planting, but we need something more. We need a theological foundation that will stand the test of time. It's our theological convictions that drive us to church planting, and it's our theological convictions that will keep us faithful in church planting. Conviction is not only about belief, it is also about that which leads to action. A person of conviction acts on what they know to be true, and this is crucial in church planting. And yet a person with conviction alone isn't necessarily qualified for ministry. It is also essential that other people recognize one's theology and actions and thus commend him for the task of church planting. This is why we believe that conviction and commendation go together. To help us think about these things as it pertains to church planting, I'm excited to have my friend Eric Mason with me on the podcast. Eric Mason is the founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He and his wife, Yvette, have four children. Eric helps coach and train families to plant churches locally, nationally, and internationally. He is the author of several books, and he has been involved in gospel ministry for over two decades. Dr. Eric Mason, uh, the great bishop. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. Brother, I'm so honored and glad to be on here with you, brother. I wish uh, the the listeners could see your hat. I'm quite jealous of it. Always uh, always, <laughs> always rolling with some swag. I love uh, keeping up with uh, Mason, his family on uh, social media. Why don't you tell the the listeners, those who are not familiar with uh, with your your story, just a little bit about yourself, where you grow, where you grew up, uh, how you came to faith? Yeah, grew up in Washington D.C., born and bred by uh, second generation freed slaves. So. Uh, post-slavery. So my parents were um, raised in the South and they raised us in Washington, D.C. And I didn't trust the Lord until I, to my sophomore year fall of my sophomore year of college. And about uh, a year and a half later, I sensed a strong burden to go into gospel ministry. And uh, you did some uh, some training uh, various places, uh, as I remember, in Dallas as well, right? Mm-hmm. One of those places. Yep. So went to Dallas Seminary in Oakland Bible Fellowship, and I was there for a while, uh, several years. And then my wife and I, and we went to Houston for a while, where I served as assist- assistant pastor and taught at a Bible college for a couple of years, and then went back to Dallas because of her health uh, to take a non pastoral role to be home in a different way and with less responsibilities. And so we ended up going to Fellowship Associates uh, when I started my doctoral program in Boston. We uh, went to Fellowship Associates at in Little Rock to go just get some leadership development stuff and have an incubating time to really hammer out the vision without the pressure of day-to-day other ministry. And they were really, really gracious to us during that time. We really appreciate that whole team. And we went from there and the elders commissioned us to plant in Philadelphia. And we left in May of 05 and started Epiphany uh, September 17th, uh, 2006. Mm, 2006. Man. So uh, 
uh, Eric and I met back in uh, Mississippi, like uh, 10 years ago, I think it was. Wow. Years ago. Wow. Uh, he came in and helped me with a conference. And uh, it's been a joy just to see how your ministry has, has grown and flourished uh, doing a, a lot of writing. We could, we could go a lot of directions on this podcast, um, but we're, we're doing this, uh, you know, a series of, of podcasts here on the, the competencies within Acts 29, mm-hmm. these things that we look for in church planters. Yeah. And this one's, a, this, is a, it's, this is an interesting one, uh, conviction and commendation, right? So we're, we're thinking about... Um, what some would deem calling, but what what your conviction that compels you to to plant a church, but you need more right than just your own desire and 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 burden conviction to do that. You need to be commended, mm-hmm. uh, affirmed by uh, other other leaders in the church specifically, right? So, yeah. Yeah. can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of of really both of these, but um, especially I think the one on commendation, this, this piece is very important and often overlooked. Uh, what's it look like, particularly in your, in your context? Yeah. So the context I come from commendation is everything kind of like Timothy in, in uh, Acts chapter 16 for me is a great model of him coming through and meeting Timothy, the, the church introducing Paul to Timothy. And he's like, Oh, I'm taking young buck with me kind of thing. Uh, this guy's a monster. Um, so, um, so, so he, so I, I see commendation literally the same way, you know, Paul talks about in second Timothy, uh, stuff to give within you that was conferred upon you on the laying on the hands by the Presbytery, you know? Um, and so there's this, there's this sense within the new Testament church paradigm that there's an affirmation process. So for me, what that looks like, um, practically guys tell me all the time they hit a plant, but one of the things that I'm big on, um, with, families, uh, men and women who are partnering together as families and planters. I want to see, man, do you actually love the church you're in or do you love the idea that you want to go out and plant? And so one of the things is if you don't love the church before you plant and bend somewhere, not the church as an idea, not the church as in church history, not the church as in the form of a on paper ecclesiology, um, do you love an actual local ecclesia where your hand has been put to the plow, you've been submissive to leadership, and you've been in community, biblical community with godly people that have seen your life and lips and are able to engage you comprehensively and you've fallen um, unbelievably in love with Jesus and with them. If you haven't done that, that, that the commendation that like you're just starting an organization, you're not you're not planting the gospel and you're not planting an organism. And so you could tell even in Acts chapter 16 that Timothy was vested in the church by the time. And so the elders, he had trusted Christ in probably Acts 14 during their first missionary journey. By the time Paul came back, that dude had been active in the church. And so within two chapters, he was ready to go on a missionary journey and be partnered with Silas to do ministry. So I think a lot of times, you know, he had that humility, he had the humility with, um, with, with that process. I think there has to be a lot of humility on the front end because one of the things that I don't do. I had a guy say, man, I want, uh, you know, you know, guys will come to me, man, I want to shadow you and this everything. And you, I'm like, bro, you just got to the church. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, I don't even, I don't even know you. I don't know what kind of believer you are, man. I just want to see you around with the people of God. I don't like as a rule to plant guys from somewhere else. It has to be a very special case where they come in. They have to spend, spend two years, but I don't like, I like home growing people because it just feels different. So, yeah. Yeah, right on. Um, 
we we have a program we call it Aspire uh, for our you know future church planters, pastors. Yeah. But they they can't get into Aspire unless they've been a member at least for a year, mm-hmm. and then you know there's a, there's a, an application process after that. But we for the same reason we want to see guys just serve. Uh, be good church members uh, because if you if you're not going to be a good church member, then how are you going to be a good a good pastor? Absolutely. Um, and and then as you said, very important to to are they submissive to leadership? Yeah. Themselves. Yeah. Um, because that's gonna that's gonna tell a lot just about their own future future development and leadership. Absolutely. Um, so Absolutely. all that is 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 vitally important. Great examples there with I think with with Paul and Timothy as well. Um, so when you're uh, um, where so if if you're a church planter, you're hearing this podcast, future church planter. Um, how do you re- how do they go about receiving this kind of commendation? Right? Um, is it? Uh, and we you can just talk in your own your own context. Um, do they enter in some kind of program, some kind of church planting apprenticeship? Um, and do you do you what what does that kind of assessment look like? You know, testing. Uh, walk us through that. So we have two. We have one that's stateside, and one that's in Africa. The African one is fully ran by Indigenous leaders in Malawi, Africa. That we just now financially support them. Our church and um, team has helped them work on that, and they've built out their own deal. So you'd have to ask Pastor Mond about how they're doing things there. Um, for us um, here on state on the state side, of, we're actually taking a 36 month break because we planted 33 churches in the last seven years. So, and then five are about to be planted now. Four were planted last year, but we're not specifically planting those five. Um, our ministry and uh, our partnership ministry in Malawi is planting five of five to eight, I think now. So it'll go up to like 41 churches. But for, for me, once that process is affirmed, I have a, a, a first process is you got to be an intern. Cause I, cause in the intern, really the time before re- I don't do straight to residency unless you, unless I really, really know you and, and I really, and the body really, really like usually I do the internship. That's a year that we make no promises to you. Um, and basically it's for you to get your feet wet in ministry and cause we want to see your competency, a character, competency, commitment, but we also want to see your ministry compatibility. And so are you able to start ministries? Are you able to, you know, are you able to just, no, not, not, that's not, that's residency, but seeing, um, well, just where you fit in and how you work with people. It's interesting. Jesus threw the disciples together and then out of it, he noticed Peter, James, and John in a particular way. And you, and then he pulled them out after he already threw them a mentor showed me that he says, listen, he didn't appoint leaders in the beginning, even though he prophesied about Peter in John chapter one, but he threw them in together. And then the leaders came from their interaction with each other. And so that's one of the things that we do through our internship program. You, you get involved in all different types of ministry where you feel like you have a passion. Then there's some things we assign to you. We begin to see who you are and who you're not a little bit in ministry. And we can tell whether or not you are just a team member or you're a leading member, or you just need to be maybe in the marketplace and be just a really solid Christian, which that helps us not invest a lot of money into somebody and then find out, oh man, that's not compatible. And so I'd rather spend less money finding out who you're not and who you are than spend a lot of money to launch you for you to find it out um, in public ministry as a leader. So then we have a two-year residency program. Uh, uh, So we're working on everything from 
family development, meeting with the spouse, mentoring the couples, um, to preaching, visiting church plants at different stages. They have to start a ministry or come into a ministry. They have to envision stuff. They have to get leaders on board. Um, they have to train those leaders and delegate those ministry responsibilities to them. If you can't do that, you can't plant a church. So, 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 so that's really our sort of framework. If you get affirmed, um, in the last year of that, during that time, you begin to look outward. So now you, you enter what we call the preparing season. So what you begin doing from there is you start doing all your assessments. Um, you get into the point where you are working on your prospectus. Um, nurturing your perspectives, which you should have been kind of working on kind of the first year in bits and pieces. But then we formally send you to fundraise, fundraising boot camp and training. Then we support you, but then we connect you to our networks and then other churches. And then, uh, and then, and then we'll, and then we work through, then we work through all of those different things as it pertains to, um, getting that person set up. That's good. That's good, man. Very thorough. Um, What's it like having some of those conversations with guys who who may not be that they think they're the lead guy? They think they're perhaps a, a, a you know the lead preacher, right? But you're recognizing uh, that that's not your your biggest strength. Have you had to have some conversations? You talked about you know telling guys maybe you, you should stay in the in the corporate world and and just serve. Uh, how does that go? Yeah, um, what I would do. Um, practically and in, and in reality is I I'm really honest with guys I've been honest with guys there's some guys we've had who come to and I said you're not a lead guy and they'll sort of in their heart feel sort of unsupported by the church and that type of thing and then they go out and they try several things and then they come back and say you were right you know and so that's really been ideal um, with with people just trying to help them and serve them in this process um of letting them know that learning who you are and who you're not is a gift, not a curse, and then not seeing what you or other people value as a main deal, as an identity issue, but as a kingdom function issue. And so that that's really, really important for us to, man, let the gospel shape your identity, not your believability about what your functionality in the kingdom should and should not be. That's good, man. Uh, talk a little bit, Mace, about... Um, maybe from your early days of, of being trained, uh, you know, being commended, um, you mentioned fellowship associates, which has a great reputation for, for leadership development. Um, but as cultures changed, uh, as, as you've been made aware of certain things, uh, what, if anything, what has changed about your own kind of, uh, vision of church planting, of raising up guys, uh, what what changes uh, have have you made in some ways, just philosophically, perhaps, about uh, the need for church planting, the the kinds of guys who need to plant churches? Just talk a little bit about your own development, uh, theologically, philosophically, if anything has changed. Um, I don't know if it much is ch- you talking about since I planted. Yeah. Um, you know, I I I don't know. I don't know if much has changed as much as I just think that there needs to be more added to the tool belt. Um, in in relation to being prepared in multifaceted ways, so I would include that in things like um, preaching. Like one of the things that's been important is a lot of guys need to learn how to preach. Like 
I just think that I mean, and, it, and, and what I'm saying is have those principles in place because one of the big, one of the big, 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 huge things that I think is very, very important as you develop character is for you to give a guy a trajectory about his preaching voice being developed in the context of the church plant. If your God has not been in a, a teaching pastor role or another role within the church where you've had a significant amount of time to kind of preach, even if you had preaching experience. Your preaching voice is going to be different missiologically, particularly if you're a relocated leader, because you got to learn the generation, you got to learn the people, and you got to begin to frame your gospel preaching around the particular issues that people are dealing with and what they, what you foresee they'll deal with and giving them what they need and what they don't know they need, right? And so that, that's a huge piece. I think for me, with us doing urban ministry, urban apologetics has become a necessity because we plant in urban areas with systemic issues. For us, the, the, the main piece has been just making sure that um, guys is able to be prepared for that. And then one of the things is also working through um, not just strategic startup ministries, but what you believe about particular things. Like, wh what do you believe about divorce? How are you going to deal with abortion in, in, in that local assembly? How are you going to deal with race issues? How are you going to deal with um, if you're ethnic minority uh, white leadership and what comes with some white leaders. What are you going to do about discipleship? Like all those things are very, very important things you really can't do on the fly. Some of those are philosophical, ideological, but all of them come under sort of a biblical rubric. And so just trying to get families prepared for that. How are you going to communicate to the church the role of your wife in the church plant? How are you going to make sure that your wife doesn't lose herself in the church? Plant? Just all those different things that you, as you know, from planting and planting others that go into just some of those pieces. Cause I don't know if anyone ever helped us to walk through until we planted how to work through the perception. I think there were little things, but there were some cultural differences because I come from a, a different background. Most who are in the church planting world, because a lot of us come from, if you come from a traditional black church, it's just a difference. There's some similarities to traditional white churches, but there's a lot of differences because um, the role of a pastor and a pastor's wife it's kind of like first family. It's kind of like the president within a ecclesiological system. That's what's called first family and all of that. And just all those different things. So how you shepherd your children through that is another piece and how to decentralize us as the Jesus figures yet being examples. So all of those things are very, very important. Mm. Yeah, that's good, man. When you think about church planning uh, outside of your context, just things you've heard, uh, conversations you've been in, what would you say concerns you? Like, what would be some of the weaknesses? You, you mentioned preaching, uh, just the need to cultivate strong preachers, and you, you listed a number of important issues. Any Anything else out there that you just kind of see is normalized now, uh, but you're like, wait, I, I think we need to rethink this? Or w what are some areas, if guys, again, are listening to this podcast or considering church planting, they may be in one position particular stream of development, but they have blind spots, right? And they're not thinking about certain needs that they have in terms of their own preparation. Do you see particular weaknesses out there you would alert them to? Yeah, I think one weakness in particular is planting somebody that doesn't have work experience. That's good. Church planting is not like a hippie sort of surfer life, you know, kind of like a YouTuber. It's a very <laughs> serious thing, man, you know? And so you have to be a self-starter because sometimes you, in those early days, you won't feel like you have a lot to do because you're not dealing with a ton of people yet. Yeah. And they're giving you stuff to do based on the needs that they have. You have to be a self-starter in getting ahead of the curve on that to know how to, I'm not just talking about working 60 hours and 70 hours a week. I'm just saying being engaged in those different things. Another thing is 
being careful of transporting methods and models to a context that may not be compatible with. Like, for instance, um, assuming that small groups is the ministry that develops biblical community. If you're in the inner city, people aren't going to invite you in their house to do small groups. That's just not realistic. And so the principle is community. The method can be small groups or something else. There are ways you can create Wednesday night Bible studies and have around it uh, or midweek things at your actual building where you're able to sort of build out community in different ways. So I think just being careful of transporting models that worked in another environment to your environment, particularly if you did a residency somewhere that's not compatible with your context or in a totally geographic location. It may be the same socioeconomic ethnic milieu, but still you got to assess all the models. Yeah. Yeah, it's good, man. Now, you mentioned urban apologetics, uh, and I know you're doing some writing on this, and it's one of the more intriguing things for church planners to think about, again, because you've got, well, one example, I know a guy who planted, and, you know, he'd memorized Tim Keller and the reason for God, and he got out on the streets and was like, ain't nobody asked me those questions. Yeah. Um, there, there's a whole other slew of questions, right, yeah. uh, in, in certain contexts. Yeah. Um, and so... In traditional church planting training, I mean, we're even trying to find this in our own in our own culture, in our own at our at our church, like sending guys out to wherever. Yeah, uh, and we need resources. Yeah. So, uh, I know you've dealt with a lot of different uh, religions, cults, uh, worldviews. Talk to us a little about the importance of uh, church planters getting trained in urban apologetics. Talk a little bit about your own project, if you like. Yeah, one of the things that I think is important for all ethnicities who are planting in places where there are African-Americans present, even in majority church contexts. So whether your church is multi-ethnic, whether your church is lily white or what we call in the black community, don't you say this, blackity black. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, (laughs) you need to be aware of the the dignity challenges that African-Americans face in this country so that you can have a deep sensitivity to the fact that there are mystery cults that are waiting for the white church, the black church, the multi-ethnic church to hurt them and give them a bad experience and not clearly disciple them so that they can be the, the safety net to catch them in. And so I, I, so I think that when we talk about urban apologetics, this is just another, when we talk about it, it's just another way to make sure that your discipleship bases are covered. Even for white churches, I would even say there needs to be an understanding of that so that whites won't get offended when you say, why do you have to focus on black people? Or why you have to focus on the blah, 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 blah. You begin to say, oh, African-Americans are on a different timeline than us. And they have unique needs that are based on the stripping of their dignity that's happened in America through the last 400 years. And so uh, we want to make sure that we're just doing our due diligence to make sure we partner with them to make sure that they're graced to have their dignity affirmed by even if it's not affirmed in the world, that's not our problem, but it's our problem if the church doesn't do that. And so I think that that just, that's very, 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 very important. It's good, man. It's good. Dr. Eric Mason, pastor of Epiphany. Um, Doc, tell us a little bit about how the listeners can just keep up with you. When, when is that book coming out? Other resources, uh, places you direct guys when it comes to particularly urban church planting? Yeah, so I think, um, well, the book will be out probably next year. I'm probably, uh, you know, and then I'm probably going to write an urban church planting book in this like fourth in line between two other books I have to write, three other books I have to write and a commentary I have to do. But for the most part, <laughs> you know, I get to it when I get to it. But that's one I, I'm going to, 
take some time take some time to work on you can you can keep in touch with me past the emace on uh dot com and got past the emace when i say mace not c but with the s on instagram on twitter then we uh, you go to epiphanyfellowship.org you can also go to thriveinthecity.org to keep up with what's going on internally and externally so past the emace.com as well so yeah Sweet man, I look forward to those resources uh, coming out. May the Lord give you grace as you uh, as you write and shepherd the flock and take care of your family. Been praying for your bride in recent months, and um, just uh, it's good to see you, man. Very grateful for you and uh, for your leadership and it's all that you're saying to us. Oh man, thank you for thank you all for having me.